Hello, and welcome to episode 38 of Stories of Strangeness. I'm Mike. Hello. And this is Zoe. Hello. Yes. And we're back after a short break where life got in the way. So apologies if you've been jonesing for some strangeness, but we're here to deliver it to you now. And this week is a Zoe week. It is indeed. Take it away and make sure you bring it back. I don't want to bring it back. Fine. Ever, keep ever, it. ever. I don't want it. So, today I'm going to be talking about an occurrence at 284 Green Street. This council house in Enfield would be the location for one of England's most famous poltergeist cases. Supposedly. Supposedly. Dun, dun, dun. Going in strong with the supposedly. (laughs) Okay. In 1977, Peggy Hodgson was a single mother caring for four children, Margaret, Janet, Johnny and Billy, in a semi-detached council house in North London. Family life was still adjusting after her recent divorce from the children's father, who still visited occasionally bringing a girlfriend with him. Peggy's two daughters, Janet, 11, and Margaret, 13, didn't like him and were afraid of him. On the evening of the 31st of August, Peggy headed upstairs to tell Janet and Margaret to stop fighting. She could hear the sounds of a scuffle in the children's bedroom upstairs. But when she entered the bedroom, the girls were huddled on one of the beds in the corner. When she asked what was going on, the girls pointed to the chest of drawers by the wall, and as she turned to look at the drawers, they moved across the floor towards her. At a loss at what to do, she pushed the drawers back into place, but they moved again, so she pushed them back again. When they moved the third time, she couldn't move them back. That night, the house was full of noises, of scraping, of knocking. The family hardly slept. In the morning, Peggy, not knowing what else to do and exhausted from a sleepless night, gathered the children together and took them next door to their neighbour's house. Vic and Peggy Nottingham took Peggy and the children into their home and listened to their story. Vic was the kind of person who didn't scare easily and offered to go back to their house and take a look. When he returned, he looked visibly shaken and talked of knocking and noises in the walls that didn't make any sense. Vic and Peggy didn't know what else to do, so they called the police. They told them what was going on. The police suspected that it was a prank. Regardless, officers were sent to look over the house. While PC Carolyn Heaps was inside the house, she witnessed a chair slide about four feet across the room. She checked the floor for any oil or slippery substances. She checked the chair for wires to see if she could explain the movement. And lastly, she actually placed a marble on the floor to see if the floor was actually level. It was. The marble didn't roll away. She could not explain how the chair had moved. The police could not see any way that the law had been broken. On the 4th of September, once the police had visited and could do no more, It was suggested that the media be informed, and so a call was put through to the Daily Mail. Photographer Graham Morris was sent to visit the house. He arrived, met the family, and set up cameras and various gear around the house, but failed to witness or capture anything. It was only after he had packed up his gear and was getting ready to leave that he had to grab a camera and rush back inside. Graham stood in the corner of the room taking photos and watching as items flew around the room. Toys, 
paper, and at one point he was hit in the forehead by a Lego brick. Once things had calmed down, Graham left. He returned to the office to work on his story and get the photos developed. Unfortunately, the photos failed to show evidence of anything occurring. Graham decided to return to the house, determined to get proof. But he found Peggy in a state of desperation, unable to comfort her children, not knowing what to do. He wanted a story, but he was also deeply worried about the family, so he reached out to the Society for Psychical Research, or SPR for short. The SPR sent Morris Gross, a paranormal investigator whose interest in the paranormal stemmed from the untimely death of his daughter, also called Janet. Initially, he thought that this may be her trying to contact him. When Morris entered the house for the first time, he stated that he found a group of disturbed people. The family and the reporters had been deeply affected by the situation in the house. He spoke with them and explained that he believed that they had a poltergeist, and he was surprised when they said they didn't know what one of those was. Poltergeist is German for loud ghost or noisy spirit. It is a spirit associated with noises, objects being moved, thrown, broken or hidden and occasionally unexplained smells. They are described as mischievous spirits and tricksters. Morris stayed with the family for a few days, but soon realised that they needed more help than he could provide. He contacted Guy Lyon Playfair, another member of the SPR and a poltergeist expert. Guy visited, intending to stay a day or two to help out. In the end, he actually ended up staying with the family for around 14 months. The buzz that the Daily Mail articles had created attracted the attention of the BBC and broadcaster Ros Morris paid a visit to the property. She stayed the night, keeping watch with Guy in the living room while the family slept upstairs. All was quiet when they heard a crash. They went upstairs to investigate. A chair had been thrown across the room, but the girls were sound asleep in their beds. The activity got worse, and from the October... In 1977, the family had started sleeping in the same room. One evening, the room started to hum. There was a scraping noise from the fireplace. The room was almost vibrating, and part of the fireplace, a heavy part of the metal fixture, came away from the wall and flew across the floor. This made Morris think. He contacted the London University and spoke to their experimental science department. He wondered if Janet may have the ability to bend metal with her mind, much like the popular illusionist of the time, Yuri Geller. After working with the scientists and doing some tests, it seemed that Janet did bend some spoons without touching them, but strangely, this doesn't seem to have been brought up again in the investigations at all. The disturbance continued, knocking heard all around the house, but in hearing it in one spot and going to investigate, it would always appear to be coming from somewhere else. Morris and Guy continued their research, at one point sending the family away for a long weekend. The house seemed at peace in their absence, but upon their return, things changed. Morris entered the girls' bedroom, intent on communicating with whatever was causing the noises. He asked, Did you die in this house? One knock for no, two knocks for yes. The response, 53 knocks. When he asked, Are you playing with me? A cardboard box and a pillow were thrown at his head. Morris saw this as proof that the entity was intelligent, or at least had a sense of humour. Life for Janet was becoming increasingly intense, and in November 1977, 
she began drawing disturbing things, having fit-like seizures, sometimes screaming and running and bashing her head against the wall. She was medicated to try and keep her calm, but it was of little use. At one point she was found curled up asleep on the top of a tall chest of drawers with no recollection of how she got there. Both girls were now being physically disturbed at night. On good nights it was just covers being pulled off the bed. On bad nights Janet was being dragged out of bed and pulled down the stairs head first. Ian Fletcher, a doctor and member of the SPR, agreed to work with Janet. He put her under a hypnotic trance. He asked her, Do you know who is doing this? To which she replied, Me and my sister. I don't know who it is. She went on to say that when she is thrown out of bed, she could feel cold hands around her body. From this it was concluded that whatever the girls were doing, they were being forced to do it by unseen hands. The 14th of December was an important day. It wasn't only the first day of Janet's first period but it was the first time that something was seen by someone not invited into the house to help the family. It was early morning and the baker was making his rounds when he heard a commotion coming from number 284. When he looked upstairs to the window, he saw Janet laying horizontally, swirling around the room along with some books and toys. Across the road, lollipop lady Hazel Short saw it too. Neither could believe what they were seeing. Shortly after this, was an evening that changed the direction of the investigation. The family and investigators were gathered in the living room, and they heard a dog bark. But the bark didn't come from outside, and there was no dog in the living room with them. Morris was intrigued. He surmised that if the entity could bark, it could talk. At bedtime, Morris set up his recording equipment in the girls' bedroom and made his challenge. Talk. It barked. He challenged it again. This time it barked the name Morris. He then asked it to say Dr. Beloff, which it did, in a gravelly, rough, barking voice, which seemed to emanate from Janet, although her lips never moved. Now communication had been established, many conversations were recorded and tests were done. Some sceptics claimed that Janet was able to throw her voice, so Morris made her hold water in her mouth while he questioned her. He even went as far as to tape her mouth shut with water in it and have her spit the water out at the end of the interview. One chat went like this. Where do you sleep? On top of Janet. Why? It's my bed. Why can't Janet feel you? Because I'm invisible. Why are you invisible? Because I'm a G-H-O-S-T. When questioned about the voice... Janet said she thought it came from behind her and that she could feel a hand on the back of her neck. Margaret said they had experienced ten different voices, although it seems that only one was ever recorded. The voice was gruff and low and most described it as an old man's voice. It was so gruff that to make a similar sound, a person would have to use vocal folds above the larynx, something that would cause major discomfort if you spoke for any length of time like that. In fact, Ros Morris tried to do it for a few minutes and had a sore throat for two days after. The conversations they were having with the spirit could last hours. Morris's son was a solicitor, so he asked him to come in and interview the spirit, who had now identified itself as Bill. When asked, I want you to tell me whether you remember what happened to you when you died. It replied, I went blind. 
Then I had an hemorrhage and I fell asleep and I died in the chair in the corner downstairs. Shortly after finding this information out, the son of the gentleman who had previously lived in the house came forward. Terry Wilkins said that these were the details of his father's death and his father's name was Bill. That one day his mother had gone out to the shops and when she'd returned she'd found her husband dead. They, as children, could not have known the details of the previous tenant's death. But Morris still wasn't convinced by this. He felt that they may be falling victim to a psychic joker. A spirit pretending to be a different spirit. In July of 1978, Janet was admitted to Maudsley Hospital for psychiatric tests. All the tests came back normal. In the two months that she was in hospital, the situation at home calmed, and on her return, it continued to calm, until nothing was happening anymore. The girls have since grown up and moved on. Peggy lived in the house until her death in 2003. At the peak of the disturbance, matches set light to themselves in the box, beds were flipped over, the sofa levitated, furniture was regularly thrown across the room, Horrifyingly, a curtain once wrapped itself around Janet's neck and she had to be freed by her mother. The tapping and knocks were varied and many and they were witnessed by over 30 different people from all walks of life and they disappeared as mysteriously as they started. Now I think I know where you stand on this but I'm still going to say, so what do you think? Mm. So go on then, where do you think I stand on this? I think you think it's a hoax. Right. Because you don't generally believe in ghosts. No, I don't generally believe in ghosts. But you're doing that voice and look that you're going to (laughs) go, well, actually, I think it's true. Well, here's the thing. It doesn't have to be a ghost, does it? No. It could be something else entirely. Mm -hmm. And when you factor in the fact that it is some kind of trickster, it aligns itself very closely with things like the Skinwalker Ranch mm-hmm. uh, yeah. emanations or whatever you want to call them, and also some of the other stuff that we've talked about where there does seem to be this sentience, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, that seems to be able to manifest in our world without actually being physically manifested. Yeah. But it seems to have an intelligence, some kind of sense of humour, whether it, you know, it's something that we would find funny or not. And also, it seems to know ahead of time what people around it are going to do as well. Mm -hmm. It seems to be able to preempt and things like that. Actually, that's correct because when the Morris's son came to interview it, Apparently, it's not really made completely clear, Mm. but a lot of the recordings where Janet is supposedly kind of channeling the voice, no one else is allowed in the room apart from her and Morris, and sometimes not even Morris. So it's just Janet in the room. Or just Janet and Morris. Other people aren't allowed in, which is a bit weird. Well, I guess that's to kind of minimise the chance of it being somebody else. Yeah. Because if you were thinking this weird voice is coming from Janet, you want as few people in the room with her as possible because then if somebody else in the room is with you and can throw their voice like that... See? Yeah. There's four children in this family 
and it's only the two girls that are ever mentioned. The two yeah. boys could literally be anywhere in the house making whatever noise they want. Yeah. It's really interesting because I've read a lot of different articles and pieces on this coming from both directions. Yeah. And they do say that if you walk into a house and someone tells you it's haunted, yeah. you will see things hear things and everything you see and hear that isn't quite right you will put down to that being yeah, the haunting. it's confirmation bias. i mean could you imagine if we said to someone this place is haunted and they came in well this place is haunted you, well i mean you said so yourself you said you, poltergeists can do things like they can move stuff around they can make noises and they can make weird smells that you can't account for that's you I, i'm pretty sure it's a poltergeist no that's you losing things, and those smells are you. <laughs> no, I'm just talking like with, with the noises of the house and the neighbours and everything. This is quite a noisy house. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we could have the our upstairs neighbours who have small children running around, <laughs> which occasionally you can hear little thumps on the podcast, and I'm sorry, but there's very little we can do about it. But, you know, you could you could have somebody come over and tell them that the place is haunted, hear the thumps upstairs and then go, oh, is it your upstairs neighbours? And we could just go, we don't, upstairs is empty. Yeah, what are you on up, about? There's no one up there. I didn't hear anything. But the thing like I when... really mess with their minds. The chair that crashed and the girls were asleep. I'm like, why would they be sound asleep if a chair just crashed over in their room? They would be groggy and going, what's going on? Who's waking me up? You'd think so. You'd but- think you know, we have a daughter who can sleep through almost anything. This I can sleep through almost anything. Is true, actually. Yeah. I slept when the um, when was it eighty something when that massive hurricane hit England and you felled half that. of the New Forest, and literally, I think I was at was my 86? dad's at the time. It sounds about right. Yeah. And I think the chimney of the building next door came off. <laughs> literally, was lying in the in the street the next day. Roof tiles were gone. All kinds of problems. And I slept through the whole bloody thing. Didn't know at you know all. What? Yes, she does take after you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so fair enough. They might have slept through that. But I feel like if you've got something like that going on in your house, you probably would be a bit of a light sleeper because you'd be on edge yeah. all the time. Although I suppose there's the whole exhaustion thing as well. Maybe you yeah. have to take that into No, what into I will account. say about this is the theories are, yeah, it could have been a hoax. Yeah. And the obvious reason for them perpetrating this hoax is for money, because... Yeah, see, some people don't, said don't, that they wanted a better house, but she stayed yeah. in it. But she, yeah, exactly. She stayed in it. So the other, the other option is, you know, you can sell your story to the newspapers, you get a bit of money that way. I don't know if they ever did particularly profit off it. I don't know I if they did. Reading. I mean, listening to interviews with Janet from more recent years, she said... You know, I didn't have a childhood. There was no privacy in the house. Yeah. Everybody knew, like everybody knew the date of her first period. Yeah, that's like, that's, that's not, not the, a fun thing to have a, out there, a young, is it? Really? A young girl, like especially at that time where you know periods weren't as you know spoken about. As, that would be yeah. mortifying. She said she was picked on at school. They called her ghost girl. She kind of yeah. didn't have any friends. She didn't want to go to school because she was picked on. She didn't want to go home because there was all this stuff going on. Again, this is the sort of thing that. The people who say, oh, it's a hoax. It was like when we did Bigfoot, the Patterson-Gimlin film. It was, was it Bob Gimlin, I think? But he was like, his family got hounded for years. His wife had to leave her job at the bank because people kept going in and harassing her about it. Wow. And it's like, if that was a hoax, was it really worth it? Yeah. Because they didn't 
get an awful lot of money out of it either. And certainly, I think I think it was Bob Gimlin that he was along for the ride sort of thing and to provide some camera work, but wasn't the kind of main driving force behind this thing. And initially, they didn't actually go out to capture a real Bigfoot on film. It was to shoot scenes for a documentary. Yeah. But Bob Gimlin didn't come out with hardly any money at all, I don't think, because yeah. all the rights stayed with Patterson. Yeah, see, I don't think they they profited at, at all from this it. This is um, what I'm saying. So to, to perpetrate this as a hoax, you've got to think, okay, so you're not gaining a lot of money for it. You're getting harassed. I mean, it only lasted bullied. around two years. Yeah. Like the actual... Yeah, stuff sure going on That's not even that a long time though love I suppose it is you imagine isn't. living in a house for two years with stuff like that going on like regularly yeah, you know regularly a chest of drawers will just slide across the floor and you're having to put it back I and mean stuff. In, in here you probably wouldn't notice <laughs> you're like oh yeah. Yeah. move that over there again I don't know maybe they're trying to tidy up maybe they just think the feng shui is wrong and they're trying to yeah rejig it. the room to make the energy flow better but <laughs> No, I, I, I don't tend to believe in ghosts, but I'm open to the possibility of beings that are beyond our current comprehension, whether they're aliens, interdimensional beings or whatever. You know, we, we only have a limited number of senses, and it's not five, by the way. Everybody says human beings have five senses. That's absolute rubbish. What about the sixth sense? I've seen that film. Well, yeah, okay, fine. But we have way more than five senses. But even those senses we do have are fairly limited. There are sound frequencies we can't hear that cats yeah. and dogs and bats and things can hear. And also, even as we get older, we lose the ability to hear some hear frequencies. certain frequencies, like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, we can only observe the what we call the visible light spectrum. And, and it's only called the visible light spectrum because we can see it. Yeah, and also you know, that we have colour blindness as well, which we discovered with my... Yeah. Very blue nail varnish that you think is green. Yeah, absolutely. But like, you know, there's, there's various wavelengths of light, like infrared and ultraviolet that we can't see. Yeah. That things like bees and certain birds can see because a lot of flowers reflect light in the ultraviolet or infrared spectrum. Wow. And that's how they know to go to them because they look very different to bees and birds. So there's got to be so many different types of energy that at the moment we have no way of measuring, observing, recording, whatever. So the possibilities are huge for other forms of life to exist that we currently can't really interact with or engage with in any meaningful way unless they choose to interact with us. And from the most part of it, it seems that most of them are dicks because they just like to mess <laughs> with people. Yeah, yeah. Like they like to unplug cameras that were recording things on Skinwalker Ranch that yeah. you were like, hey, we'll get some good footage. Well, like, plop, 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 gone. Like, like I said, I've, I've read a lot of bits of this. And apparently, when one of the, the BBC reporters came, yeah. one of the stories that I read said, but they didn't get any footage because their equipment was ruined. But then. Yeah. But that was in, you see, you get, you get the different kinds of, of stories. The one that's trying to sensationalise it and make it really, really bad. And the other's yeah. going, well, it was just 
days of knocking, which, yeah, that is going to be but awful. It's still weird, though, right? It's if, weird. If your house but, is knocking and you've got no obvious You've got cause. one story going, this girl's been possessed by a demon. Yeah. No, she hasn't. No, nope, there was never any mention of possession in the well, actually, thing, generally. It was only, most it was only when you-know-who and you-know-who turned up on the scene that demonic and possession was mentioned. You know who and you know who. Is it the people from the conjuring? Ed and Lorraine and Warren. Warren. Yeah. They turned up and went, Oh, the energy in here. It's definitely like, Oh, demonic possession. But it's not necessarily an evil demon, although it's not really nice. You, you get nice demons then, do you? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Oh, this is Steve. He's a demon. He's lovely, actually. If he's you a, need your cigarette lighting, just He's into just composting, craft beers, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> that kind of thing. He makes some lovely window boxes out of recycled wood, and he'll happily plant the plants for you as well. Yeah, Steve. Oh, yeah, great demon. Great. You should meet him. Yeah. He's really nice. Apparently, they, they turned up and they kind of... I don't think they were there for any length of time, whatever. They like yeah. met the family and then they left. But then yeah. you've got this whole film about how they basically saved them. No, yeah, no. Didn't I, 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 from Absolutely what I didn't remember happen. reading, I don't know why didn't do much with the They turned up. They turned up. They had their names that. attached to it. And then left. And then left. Yeah. 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 Which, yeah, there's a few bits and pieces that I've read about Ed and Lorraine that have been kind of similar. They They have a tendency to kind of turn up decide whether they can sensationalise the case or not, and if they can't, they leave fairly quickly. Yeah. Which, I don't know, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I've never met them, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, there could be ways and means of manipulating energy that we don't know about, like gravitational waves that could then throw things across the room, you know. Well, one of the articles that I read... Basically, it was it was along the same lines. I think it might have even been the same article that sort of said, you know, if you bring someone into a house and say, this is what's going on, yeah. that's what you see. Yeah. When you're told that it's all centred around this one person, that's right. the person that you would always be centred your attention yeah. on. There were three other kids. Yeah. There was a mum. If there's knocking going on that moves around, you know. Where are the other kids? Where are the other kids? Where, yeah. Like, oh, you got hit in the head with... A Lego brick. A Lego brick. If you're looking, like an old-fashioned camera where you have to look through the lens, if you're not paying attention, anyone could have thrown that Lego brick at you. Yeah. Not even an old-fashioned camera. Even just, you know, I mean, it would have been back then. Yeah. But, yeah, anything where you have to view. I've I've been shooting a wedding and been looking intently through the viewfinder trying to take shots of the bride and groom and walking backwards. Have you fell into, if you fell over a person? Uh, no, I knocked a small child over. Excellent uh, work. Leading to much crying and me feeling very embarrassed and stuff. But yeah, I'm just saying that you're right. It, yeah. Once your attention is focused down the viewfinder, you pretty much can't see anything around you. That's so it, you but- could be easily distracted or hoodwinked. Yeah, it's very much your your blinkers are on. Yeah. The very famous photos that come with this case um, of the so-called levitation. Now, I want to talk about levitation. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, jumping, being thrown, and levitation all need you to basically be in the air. Yeah. But they are three very, very different Different things. things. Well, we've taken levitation photos. Exactly. They're actually quite easy to take. Yeah. Fast shutter speed, jump in the air, done. Yeah, you should definitely include that. 
What's like that? your photo of levitation. Oh yeah, I will do. Thing. Yeah, I'll put it on, on the website. Because it was, um, I took that photo, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take I credit for the that. Camera, but you pressed the button. <laughs> I yeah, pressed that button. That I was, was the me. One that was going to be in the shot. That was me. Yeah. Anyway, they're very different things, and people mm. just constantly used the word. She was levitating. She was levitating, yeah. which gives you this image of like, oh, heavenly lifting. Oh my goodness! But when you look at the photos, she's jumping, and if you take into a fact. That in one of her interviews, she stated that she was very athletic, mm. very into sports, mm. and she was very good at them. Yeah. So you could essentially take photos, especially with old cameras, of these kids jumping off their bed, click, yeah. click, click, and say, oh, my goodness, they were levitating. No, because you can... Levitating to me is like, you know, when a heli- helicopter takes off, it hovers. Levitating is floating in one point or moving slowly and serenely around. Okay, let me just counterpoint that. Okay, okay. If I took a photo of somebody levitating mm-hmm. in whatever form it took, yeah. and I took a photo of somebody jumping, yeah. and I took them both with a sufficiently fast shutter speed, yeah. you would not be able to tell which was which. So part of my point here is, Yes, the photos look like she's jumping off her bed. But it's when there's a series of photos of the, the jumping arc where she goes from her bed to the end of the other bed. There's never any photos of her being thrown from any other point in the room apart from her bed. Right, okay. And there's pictures of like her and her sister like laying on the floor with their legs in the air and things. And right. it's like none of these things look... It's, you know, like there is no Dana, only Zool levitating off the bed completely flat. There's okay. never any photos like that they're all photos that could have been faked by someone jumping into the air yes i agree but my point is had she been thrown into the air by some invisible force that photograph would look exactly the same not necessarily because if she was laying in her bed and was thrown out of her bed her body would have been a different shape literally every photo that's taken you can see that she's scrunched up and she's jumped okay I'm going to say this, though. Okay. If somebody gets flung into the air, one of their first natural impulses is to bring their knees up. Okay. That's just what most humans do. Most humans don't get flung into the air and go exactly stiff and rigid like they were standing in midair. <laughs> if somebody jumps off a, off a cliff into a... Not a cliff, say, for example, but something, you know, where it's a, it's a, say, like a story or two's height yeah. into water. As they jump off, they, they will almost knees. always tuck their knees up. And if you've ever picked somebody up and thrown them, they will tuck their knees up. I mean, I don't generally throw people around. I don't know about you. Should. You should. It's hilarious. And if I do, I think I'd probably pick them up sideways and fling them sideways just so they couldn't do that. But my point being is most people will bring their knees up like so that they can then extend them to, to, to land. To break their legs when they, brand, when they it's, land. It's, yeah, it's, it's a self-protection thing. If, okay. if you find yourself suddenly flung into midair by whatever, like even those rides where it's like a slingshot and they twang them. Yeah, most blah. people's first instinct is to bring their knees up. So That's probably because they're trying to stop themselves peeing. Whatever. Clench. I'm saying is that generally anything that would propel somebody into midair, one of their first instincts, unless they've been trained to do otherwise, like, say, people that get shot out of cannons or something. (laughs) 
Do people still get shot out of cannons? I don't think so, and I think it's a great shame. It is, because there there's, there's quite a few people I'd like to shoot out of a cannon. <laughs> I can think of a list, yeah. I think there's probably a lack of cannons these days, to be fair. Mm, true. I mean, like, you know, where are you going to pick up a cannon these days? They don't the, do them in the, Ikea. There's, a, there's a one on the green in town. There is one on the green, but I'm guessing it's been deactivated. I, yeah. And the aperture in it, you can just about get your fist in, but you're not going to get the rest of you in there. Small dog. Yeah, I mean, dog I'm, in there. Yeah, fire it at let's, the cathedral. Let's fire a small dog. <laughs> it's facing the wrong way to fire it. We could fire it at Oliver Cromwell's house. That's true. Which is which is pretty much direct line of sight from the cannon. Actually, no, it's more going to be like it's Poet's House. Oliver Cromwell's house is around the corner, isn't yeah. it? And for all the people that are outraged about the idea of firing a fictitious dog from a real cannon, maybe we'll fire cats out of there as well. <laughs> Just to say that, Got you know, one right here. we are both vegan and huge animal lovers, so we would never Don't do anything like yes. that. It's all hypothetical. Don't get upset. It's fine. <laughs> Sorry, what were we saying? I don't know. Something jumping. About, yes, jumping and firing people out of cannons. Yes. Yeah. I've always thought that those photographs do look like, oh, she's just jumped off her bed. But you've got to think there's only really two reasons the photographer would have taken that shot. Okay. So, One is that she got pinged into the air and he was like, bloody hell. No, no, no. See, those photos were taken with a camera that was set up in their room with no other people in there. Right, okay. And it took photos either... Like motion sensor or like, something. Yeah, something like that. So he didn't know what was on the camera until they were developed the next day because back right. in the day where you had to develop your film, yeah. you couldn't see the photos immediately. No, you had to wait for a week and go to Boots. Well, some people got theirs in 24 hours, but who could afford that? Christ, it no, was no, twice No, not as back much. in those days, they didn't. There was really? No. no. What, what, Are you sure? When was this? 70s? 77. I wouldn't have thought there'd have been 24-hour photo returns at that point. I don't know. I, I, I remember 24-hour photo development being a thing that happened within my lifetime. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was normally about a week or well, so. Well, I suppose these like were photographers who were developing their own films because they yeah, were yeah, photographers. Yeah. So, yeah, he didn't know what was on the, the photos no. until, they were until they were developed. A lot of the time, they were just so used to the noises that were going on, they didn't always go up and investigate. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something about her, just watching her in interviews. She just looked, I, mean, I know she was only 11 years old, but she just looked really smug. There was just something about her. And even now, as an adult, where she says, you know, she speaks, she's like, you know, I, I believe it happened to me. And it was it was quite embarrassing, like the swearing and stuff. And I'm like, "Wow, love, you're from like North London. Are you telling me that yeah. no one swears? <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't know. There was just something about her that was just that little bit. I don't know. I just L- didn't like she knew something she wasn't. Yeah, she was sitting on, there basically. and doing that thing where she was kind of had that little tiny smirk. But that's how you're interpreting it because maybe that's your confirmation bias. You're you're thinking. See, thing is, though, I think she's I getting away with it. I always wanted to believe this, and when I was younger, mm. I did believe it, and I was like, "This is really scary and amazing." But since then, she actually admitted, like her and her sister admitted to faking some of them she yeah. said that she ran out to meet morris one morning and said oh the the ghost has has stolen your tape recorder and he was like oh right okay he looked everywhere for it found it under one of the beds yeah what they didn't realize is it was recording and it had recorded them going 
why not? Let's steal his tape recorder and say that the ghost did it. Right. And but that's just kids being kids, love. That's not necessarily nefarious in any mm. way. That's not that's not calculated. That's just kids going, this will be funny. And because this is all going on, they yeah, know they can okay. blame it on the ghost mm. rather than, you know, blaming that weird smell on the dog or whatever. But, you know, it's I don't necessarily think that's they didn't have evidence dog. of a conspiracy as such. Yeah, and, you know, know, it's it's like... I want to believe The it. other thing is, is that you're 11 and suddenly something happens in your home that's inexplicable, but suddenly you start getting an awful lot of attention. So, here's the other hang thing. Hang on, hang on. So, you get an awful lot of attention and you're living in a home where your dad had left. This is the thing, you see. It was very unusual for a single mother in those times. Yeah. He left would occasionally visit, wind them all up with his girlfriend. What a dick. Yeah, what a dick. Upset the mother, upset the kids, and then leave. What a wonderful visit that must have been. I know, right? But I can't help but think they were of that age where they're then like, you want to act out, but you don't know who you're going to act out against. You don't want to act out for your mum because you know she's already going through a tough time. So you think, what can I do to... You know, yeah. To, well, you to don't get even, rid of all this. It's not even a, a, a conscious thought. But then you see, they often say that poltergeists manifest around, around troubled, prepubescent, pubescent, adolescent, yeah. teenage girls, sometimes boys. Yeah. But they're attracted to that kind of crazy energy. Yeah. That that is given off. Yeah. And but you know she's. I just don't know. She's from a broken marriage and an estranged parent, and like I say, suddenly you get all these reporters visiting that want to talk to you because you're important, and you're getting all this attention. And if it stops happening or begins to stop happening, yeah, maybe you knock on a few walls here and there and go, well, let's we better get some of these people back, kind of thing, because mm. you're worried about being abandoned again yeah the thing is though she states later on that she didn't want all those people in her house she didn't want the constant attention people are complicated they really are i know know, it's like you can you can not want all that attention but still enjoy it while it's happening i suppose yeah you know you could be like i just want to go back to my normal life but actually yeah, you're actually really enjoying there's being a, interviewed. an interview, a, a specific interview where she's sitting and the, the guy's interviewing her and she's all like kind of half curled up and she's got this mm. weird grin on her face and he's like, he's talking to her about the voice. Yeah. But then there's a knock. Right. And he's like, oh, what's that? And she's like, oh, that's the knock. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. But the way she says it is like, she doesn't seem afraid she doesn't seem like she's it's all like oh god yeah this is what we're talking about yeah but when you've been living with that for months on end and you know that the knocks can't hurt you it's just a sound all right it might be disconcerting but it it's not but doing anything that knock also came with apparently the curtain almost strangling her yeah you know so there were like and she she said that often she was in a trance and she didn't know what she was doing she like she said, she, she ran at the wall and bashed her head against the wall quite often. She said that she wasn't in control of herself when she was doing that. She felt used. Yeah, I mean, that so sounds more like psychosis, are, really. Yeah, but 
she was sent to a psychiatric hospital for two months and they found absolutely nothing wrong with her. Yeah, which again could have just been her acting out, like you say. I mean, the thing is, like there were four kids, as you mentioned, and, and they never really seemed to mention the boys in this story. And it could have been the you know they something they concocted themselves, and you know one of the kids was knocking, and it was never the same kid. They figured out, you know, distract mum, and then one of them had run off and knock and things like that. But when you've got corroborating witnesses, and this story has probably more corroborating witnesses than most of the others like it. Yeah. People saying they saw stuff move, they saw stuff fly across the room, they saw stuff hit people, they saw stuff levitate. Yeah. And like you say, everybody from a lollipop lady to a journalist to... Policewoman. Yeah. See, that's the bit... Policewoman. This is the thing that got me... What, that what was would, very early she on. Lie? She She was there, she just saw it, she checked, and I was like, fair play to you, you are my kind of girl. You've gone, is the floor oily? Is there yeah. anything in the chair that makes it move? Is the floor slanty? And yeah. none of that. And, none and of then that she just happened. says, I don't know like, how don't that know. happened. Yeah. But then they were like, well, there's nothing we can do here because no laws have been broken. We can't help you. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Police people are just people at the end of the day. Yeah. And they are susceptible to everything anybody else is susceptible but- to, like being embroiled in a hoax because it seems fun or because they think they're going to get some fame out of it or whatever. But you would like to hope that a public servant like that yeah. would have less well, reason to At that point, do it. literally, it was the family and the family's neighbour that knew. It wasn't in the papers. There weren't reporters. There yeah. was nobody else there. It was literally they phoned the police. And the police were like, well, it's probably a prank, just some kids, but we'll send someone round. I did like <laughs> the bit where you said, uh, you know, the police didn't determine that any crime had happened. It's like, what, what were you expecting? Yeah. Someone's you know, broken in, but the they're poltergeist invisible. took twenty pounds from my purse. What a bastard! Let's nick him. Well, in theory, it couldn't have taken it because it hasn't taken it out of the house. Does it have to take it out of the house for it to be stealing? Has it I just don't hidden think it? So. I don't, no, I think I think if it's if you're thinking of like stealing in terms of theft, uh, like shoplifting and something, you have, you have to, to take it the off shop. the premises. But then, but if you raid somebody's purse, even if you don't leave the house, you've still stolen. Yeah, but their if you money, hide it somewhere you? else. Yeah, I don't, I don't know I don't what know the legalities what of that are, but I think it would still be classed. <laughs> I don't as think the poltergeist ever stole anyone's money, as exactly. far as I could. It didn't shank gather. anybody, as far as we know. I mean, the worst that we've we've heard of is it tried to strangle Strang- her with, with and, a, a curtain and throwing a brick and throwing a le- Lego brick. I mean, Lego bricks are pretty sharp, and I don't think I'd want one thrown at my head. No, I mean, he it did would say that he hurt. had a mark for a couple of days. Yeah, <laughs> bless him. I mean, I can't. You know, it's not exactly life threatening though, but no. it's like you know, certainly probably uncomfortable. But I mean, Lego is always more more dangerous when it's on the floor to be trodden on than true, anything else. True. So really, that poltergeist mix, missed a trick. He should have scattered yeah. Lego all up the stairs and then yeah. scared them all to make them run down. And try and match the bricks with the colour of the carpet or whatever so that people didn't <gasps> see it. Camo. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they don't but make Lego bricks in camouflage. That, that, that carpet was probably really, really minging. <laughs> like, really mad colours and, like, paisley. and just, Yeah. And the bricks are just like... Oh, well, you've got, like, reds and oranges in there and stuff. You could, you could hide Beautiful. a brick here and there. Beautiful. Ready for somebody to stand on. Yeah, I'd, I've, I honestly don't know about the Enfield haunting because it is such a famous case. There were so many corroborating witnesses 
But again, witness statements are unreliable. They can be coerced. People's memories aren't what they believe them to be. Again, we go back into the whole memory isn't videotape thing. It's malleable. It can change over time. But saying that, you know, if something like that happened, it would form a fairly distinct memory something that you would generally go, well, I remember what happened because it was so unusual. Sorry, our poltergeist upstairs is just knocking. Knock three times for shit off. Oh, it stopped. Excellent. (laughs) Yeah, if we could only get an exorcism there. (laughs) Oh, that's mean. Yeah, so you've actually really surprised me, my love. Yeah, I, I think there is so much evidence in this case that something happened i have no idea what i have no idea how much of it is true or not true and i don't think we'll ever know yeah if it was but a prank then they wrote that, a lot of that people girl at 11 years old yeah. was a genius she she wins prankster of the year yeah 1970 the century, whatever yeah the you know yeah the decade yeah but it's yeah it's it's an odd one and like I say, it, people instantly go ghost because that's what we've been told. Mm-hmm. Poltergeist. Again, you're told that ghost. there is a, a poltergeist in the house. So yeah. you're like, right, I'm going to look for this, this, this and this. And like you say, you know, the, the whole thing about it, knowing how the previous guy had died in there and supposedly being him. Yeah. But that's not to say that it's like the bit from the Mothman prophecies. It's like... The guy who's on a window cleaning rig 40 stories up on a on a building can see down the street and see that there's an accident. The person on, at street level can't see it because yeah. it's obscured by other traffic and whatever. Doesn't mean that the person in the, the window box thing is omniscient or anything. It just means he has a different view of the world. Yeah. So it could be that some kind of interdimensional being... Stuff, though. I mean, there's nothing to say because I don't know how long they'd been in the house before no. this started happening. And if and this, to, they they said, oh, it's it's impossible. They would it's impossible, it's not impossible for them impossible. to know that information. It's absolutely not impossible. They could have heard the neighbours talking. Oh, you you've moved into Bill's old place. Oh, yeah. it was horrible what happened to him. Yeah. Oh, bless him. His wife yeah. just popped out for a bit. Absolutely. And, and he died in the chair. But like I say, if it is some kind of entity or some kind of sentience, whatever you want to call it. It could be that, you know, some kind of weird interdimensional being has a different view of things and can see time in a different fashion than we can see it. So they can see Bill and his chair and how he died yeah, and then pretend to be him when they're talking through Janet or whatever. Now, I've actually heard some recordings of Janet oh, yeah, speaking I've in the voice. I've whatever. listened to a lot of them and um, it is a very, very gruff it is. voice. I don't personally a hundred percent i couldn't say it's not her doing it no because there are there are ways means of doing voices that you know some people can do them some people can't and sometimes you can do some very odd things with voices i mean you know, I, I I listen to a lot of metal and some of the death but metal what singers about the whole do thing really where weird things they literally got her to put water in her mouth and he taped her mouth closed yeah and I mean, it carried on talking. So, and then she took the tape off and spat the water out. Yeah, I don't know. I've but, I've seen ventriloquists do stuff with water in their mouths, though. We only. I'm not saying have she was one though. His and her word exactly. that they did that. Yeah. Because if they were the only ones in the room. Yeah. 
So yeah, we 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 will never know. They did actually get a ventriloquist to visit the house to right. see if they could make like, the house talk. He <laughs> he didn't think it was her. Yeah, but then also said it's very difficult to tell if it is her because she's got quite she had quite big teeth yeah. and they pushed against her lips so it distorted her face in a way that you couldn't, you couldn't tell, tell if it was her moving. But I mean, or you not. could do you could have done things like you could have put your hand on her neck. And when the voice came, you would feel the vibrations yeah. if it was coming from her. So why didn't they do something like that, for example? You because know, that might have given them an fairly answer. Fairly simple test. You know, just gently rest your hand on her throat, you know, as this thing happens. If there's no vibrations, it's not her. Mm-hmm. If there True. are, then it is. <laughs> it's either her and then it's a, a question of it's either her doing it on purpose or, or she's something speaking through yeah. her kind of thing. But yeah, you know, when they said, oh, another woman tried speaking like that for a while and had a sore throat for a while, that, fine, I, yeah. But there are some people that can do weird things with their voices. There are, yes. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm one of them, for example. I can do lots of weird things with my voice. Because also there are plenty of, like, death metal singers out there yeah. who can do entire gigs. yeah. Which is there are a ways of, of doing the, the kind of the, the screaming the, without actually wrecking your vocal cords. There's yeah. there's two very well known ways of doing it. One is to just absolutely scream your lungs out, which can wreck your vocal cords and lead to a very short career. And there's another way of doing it, which doesn't wreck your vocal cords. And you know, maybe that's she generally just knew that. what they yeah, you know. Or maybe it was just one of the boys and yeah. he could throw his voice and they maybe. just decided to centre it on her. Yeah, maybe. Could have been. I think, like with most of our other stories, there's no definitive. I mean, that's why we cover them, right? It's because it's a mystery. If we yeah. if we could just turn around and go, well, actually, da da da, answer, it wouldn't be nearly as interesting for anybody listening in, to be honest. But it is one that intrigues me because I have read quite a lot about it, yeah. and I've I've listened to other podcasts cover it and stuff like that. And it is, it's one of those that it just has so many bits that seem to have, you know. People saying, yeah, I saw that happen when it's like, like you say, like police people, a lollipop lady who, you know, what has she got to gain by saying she saw this happen? I mean, nothing that you can figure. A little bit of five, say five minutes of fame. She was obviously included in the papers back then, but she was in a documentary in 2007 as well. So, you know, her name is listed as one of the people. So that's like her little thing. but. And she would have known about it at the time as but well again, because it was later on in can't the... can't imagine she'd got an awful lot out of it other than some people going, oh, look, it's the spooky some lollipop Some people, lady. I mean, some people don't want to be forgotten. If you can grab your five minutes in into something, like link yourself to something that is going to go down in history. I suppose. You know, that is so odd and so weird, then people will go, oh, yeah, she was that old... I can't remember her name, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, proves how good that it. works. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, she got to go on TV again. Yeah, I suppose infamy is just as good as fame in many ways. Exactly. Well, yeah. thank you, love. That was that was interesting. Cool, um, thanks. It's a case I'm familiar with, but you, you introduced some new elements to it, certainly, oh, that I hadn't good. heard before. Thanks. Yeah. And do we have a fun fact? I've got a couple of fun facts. Okay, go for I it. just randomly started writing and they just flowed. Humans are the only animals with chins, which mm. I didn't quite get because I'm pretty sure Mim's got a chin. 
I don't really know what they meant by that. So I <laughs> kind of thought I, I was going to tell it to you, but then, okay. The cornea is the only body part with no blood supply. It gets its oxygen directly from the air. Weird, I did not so know that. I'm like, can you suffocate it by just closing your eyes? Obviously not, because otherwise <laughs> every time you went to sleep, your corneas would rot out. Okay. Okay. A quarter of your bones are in your feet. Yes, I did know that. And 50% of the strength in your hand comes from your little finger. 50%? Apparently. I think it's more to do with like supporting other mus- muscles and things right. like that. But it's like your big toe. Like if you don't, if your big toe gets chopped off, your whole balance you just is out fall of whack. Over, yeah. Which I find strange. I mean, to be fair, I've got quite big, big toes, and I've got terrible balance. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I need mine shaved off. Oh. But yeah, there's just some weird facts about the body for you. Ah, lovely. Didn't you say one about like the an adult human skin weighs about three kilograms or something. No, it's three or four pounds, three or four, oh, right. which is oh. approximately about four pounds. But if you think if you're just taking the surface, not like the whole cup, yeah, yeah. but that's like the weight of, the of our daughter when she was born. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have enjoyed this episode, we would love you to tell your friends and family, colleagues, Next door neighbours, uh, person walking down the street, yeah, pets. Pastor, vicar, priest. Tell somebody who you think will enjoy the show as well. And that's a great way for us to grow the show and to get passed on to people that you like that you think will like us too. Also, we'd love it if you'd drop us a little review. Now, iTunes is the best place to review us because those get seen far and wide. However, if you want to just review us in your podcast player app of choice, please do so. We'd love to hear what you've got to say about the show and... If there's something you think we can do to improve it, like shut up and stop making them, for example. (laughs) I mean, I tell you to shut up all of the time and you don't listen. No, I don't, because it's you. Exactly. Yes. So you can find us in various places online. You can find us on Facebook. We have a page and we have a group. We are on Instagram probably the most. We do have a Twitter, but honestly, it is just tumbleweeds over there at the moment. <laughs> and we have a website at storiesofstrangeness.com. All the links to all the places you can find us online will be in the show notes. In order to support the show and continue making episodes, we have a couple of ways that we try and make a little extra income with it. We have a Redbubble account. If you search for Zoe and Mike, again, link in the show notes, you can buy some of our illustrations and our logo on lots of different products. They make great Christmas gifts for people who have never listened to our podcast. (laughs) So please buy lots of them for people that you know. Other than that, we have a Patreon. And for our Patreon subscribers, we do extras every week. We do a minisode, which is kind of usually a kind of shorter, easier topic that we want to just riff on. And And waffle even more than usual. And waffle even more than usual. And we also do outtakes. We have some time-lapse videos of some of the illustrations we've done on there. It's just a whole heap of extra content, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If you sign up, you can sign up for a pound a month, which just gives you a shout-out on the show, and we will say thank you. If you sign up for £3 a month, you get all the additional content, and everything is great. That's it. I'm done. That was very long-winded, my love. Yeah. 
well, tough. I suppose Maybe with I'll that, cut it down a bit in editing. Who knows? Oh, I suppose with that, we should say goodbye and let these good people go. Yeah, go on. Bye. See ya. Bye. 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 Love you. <laughs>